0: Welcome to the My Life is the Medicine podcast, where we get off the never ending search for more and take an inward gaze to find how our lives have already taught us profound truths. Rather than turning outward to experts or gurus, we talk with ordinary people and reflect inwardly about the life journey and everything felt, thought, and experienced along the way. Join us in casual conversation and reflective dialogue to discover how simply living a normal life, reflecting on our own life experiences, has already given us all the expertise we need. Hosted by Chuck Hancock, an ordinary human who has lived life in many roles, like psychotherapist, software engineer, school teacher, orphan, adoptee, father, brother, mentor, coach, ceremonialist, and more. Chuck is a weaver of wisdom from modern day psychology to ancient wisdom of indigenous and European roots, creating alchemy from everyday modern American life. Hello and welcome to another solo episode. Just got back from a trip to New York City with my 13 year old daughter, she had been wanting to go to a big city for for multiple years, and then of course the pandemic hit, so that put a slowdown on that. But finally, we're able to make a trip happen. Just the two of us went, and I still don't know exactly why she really wanted to go to a big city. You know, I've got guesses about you know seeing something different than the way life is here in Fort Collins, and seeing the big, tall buildings, and and all of that. Um, but one thing I've learned is that sometimes we don't know why we're being called to something, and I think that it's important to know how to listen to those calls. And for me, and what I was trying to help guide my daughter with in this process, that it's not necessarily jump at the first call, but if it's a sustained call for days or months or years um, even more reliably, then maybe it's something that we need to do. I look forward to seeing more about what she learns from the trip over the years to come. But for me, it definitely stirred a lot of things as well. So I'm really blessed that I got to go and, and take her on that experience. It was mostly for her, but obviously I got a lot out of it as well. Last time I was in New York was before the Twin Towers fell, um, 99, 2000, I think. And so to go back again, I could really see how much the city has really changed um, in good ways and and in some ways, uh, more narrow ways as well. Um, so that's part of what I wanted to talk about on this podcast was monocultures versus diversity. Um, The more we try to contain and make things the same and standardized and uh, easy um, or safe, uh, the more we really lose out, I think. Um, I'm going to talk more about how I saw that both on my trip to New York and on another trip that I had when I was in my mid-20s driving around the country in an RV, playing in a band. But first I want to share this poem that I encountered while we were riding the subway. One day I looked up and there was in one of the advertisement poster slots, a poem by a person called Timothy Liu. And the poem is called The Lovers. The poem goes, I was always afraid of the next card, the psychic would turn over for us. Forgive me for not knowing how we were every card in the deck. I thought it was a beautiful poem. Um, Went on to research uh, Timothy Liu a little bit and found that he was a professor at a university. And I love that the poem is talking about relationships and the diversity of relationship and the diversity of what happens in a relationship with two people, especially over time, how we are actually a lot of different people and a lot of different parts of us come out. I also loved how this poem was talking about psychic and cards and tarot or, or whatever else uh, esoteric or mystical tradition, and it was written by a professor because I know my own brain um, tends to draw boxes around, oh, academics and professors are like this, and psychics and tarot people are like this, and spiritual people of indigenous ways are like this, and spiritual traditions of the... Churches and the different faiths that are established are like this, and this poem really blends some of those lines, which I find to be quite valuable, that actually we're all quite complex, and we all are every card in the deck. We all have all these archetypal patterns and imprints within us. or in the common therapy world these days, people are talking about internal family systems and parts work or ego state work, and and we're all, all these different parts. And the more we can recognize the diversity within us, um, the more possibility there is for us in all of our relationships, but the more we try to be a certain type of way and and have our relationship be a certain type of way the more we really lose out talked about that a little bit in the episode with my partner kelly but i wanted to revisit it again with this poem because it's such an important concept i feel like when i went to new york city um First, I was I was afraid because I hadn't been there in a long time, and I was also afraid of infection risk with the pandemic, and didn't know what that was going to be like in close quarters with people, and how many people would be masked and not, and am I going to wear a mask? Am I not going to wear a mask? All all of these things brought a lot of fear, and when I first showed up, I, I was I was emanating some of that fear, I think, uh, for my daughter and. And it took just a few hours of realizing like, oh, actually we're all in that process, all questioning that. And everyone has their own answers to what the relative level of comfort and safety is going to be for them. And actually everyone can choose that for themselves. And everyone was doing that. and then that allowed me the space and freedom to choose, oh, this is what I actually need, and which was actually a little bit different than what my daughter needed. And um, it was really helpful to be, allow that diversity um, within our experience there. I also could tell that in some ways the city had really changed from the last time I was there in 20 years. Um, there was actually a lot less diversity in some ways. And then... In some ways a lot more diversity. Um, the the types of diversity really seemed to change, uh, I believe. Um, I could really see the impact of the online presence and, and social media. Um, people were interacting less, staring at their phones more. There was Still plenty of uh, shops to buy things that you might need at a discount and and whatnot, but my impression was that like Amazon and online shopping really changed that as well, uh, which I found a little disheartening in a way, and that reminded me of when I was 25, um, uh, my brother-in-law and... Uh, a friend had a band and they were going to go on tour and the bass player was an older gentleman and and he couldn't get away for the tour. And, and they were really set to go on this tour, had plans. And then he kind of backed out at last minute and they were kind of in a bind and they knew I played a little bit of music and they said, Hey, can you play bass? Um, We really need a bass player for this tour. And I had just gotten married and um, Talked to Kelly about it, and and we agreed, like, yeah, okay. Uh, I was unemployed at the time; it's the thing I could do. So why not go have this life experience? And certainly glad I did. And a, a lot of lessons, of course, over those months of touring around the country. But probably the biggest lesson that relates to what I'm talking about today is we. We stayed in in public places, um, often Walmart parking lots, sometimes streets, um, sometimes campgrounds, but realized that like when staying in these public places, especially with vibrant shopping areas, like how the culture of each of the different areas of the country is actually getting blended into this consumer culture of like, oh, you can actually find the same products everywhere. Um, I was actually a little surprised and excited to see one of the grocery stores we went in in New York had obviously a lot of different ethnic foods and a lot of them in languages I didn't understand, Um, And some of them were by American companies like Lay's um, offering different flavors of potato chips um, with different um, ethnic varieties. It was both exciting and a little disheartening at the same time, right? How those major monolithic uh, powerhouses can really influence and distill and water down. Like it was nice to see that they're making an effort to do that. And at the same time, Uh, What about the people that have grown up with the recipes and the traditions? Um, And further, this leads me into this idea of like consumer culture, of how everything has a price, and everything is a negotiation and agreement of, like, I want this experience, I want this product, and I'm going to give X amount of something, usually money to get this thing in return and how those expectations actually are really limiting. A lot of what we experienced on our trip was we had some bullet points and some plans, but then left a lot of space for exploration and stumbling into mystery without an expectation of a desired outcome or a desired experience that led to a lot of really great experiences. I run uh, two groups in my practice. One is an interpersonal process men's group, and one is a group I call Tending the Waters of Psyche and Soul. And in both of those groups, there's no set agenda. And I've been running the men's group for about six years now, I believe it is. And the Psyche and Soul group is a little bit newer. I've only been running that for about 10 months. And it still, because of the consumer culture, I have to wrestle with myself every week, this little bit of anxiety of like, aren't I supposed to have a topic or an idea or an agenda? Like, what if people actually don't bring anything? What if people don't participate? What if like they're looking to me for something? Cause I'm supposed to be the facilitator and I'm supposed to then do something because they're paying me if uh, they're not doing something themselves. And this Consumer culture is such a, a detriment, is such a limiting factor in, into what is involved. And um, and for me, especially as a leader, creates anxiety that has to be worked through a little bit. And it's like an ingredient in the water that uh, we're all drinking that it's really hard to see. And thankfully, we've actually talked about that a little bit in the Psyche and Soul group of when people were wrestling with, like, what are we doing here? And why am I doing here? Why am I paying money for this? Why? All right, there's an eight-week commitment, and I'm done with the commitment. Why don't I leave? Well, you could leave. Um, And uh, what am I getting out of this? Like, on one hand, those are really practical questions um, that do need to be asked, because if you're not getting anything out of it, um, then yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to waste time or money. But how do we actually value the diversity of experience and the possibility of the unknown that can be created when people show up together and decide to commit to each other and commit to relationship and to commit to growth? Um, then we actually get to have, potentially, much more of these experiences uh, that are new and novel we get to learn new parts of ourselves that we might not have known about and we allow for the presence of mystery um, and true growth and healing I think it's possible to learn and grow in kind of the Western educational model of, okay, here's the lesson, and I'm going to take in the information, and then I'm going to apply the information, and now I can repeat it. That's one type of learning that's really helpful. But when it comes to personal growth and therapy, I think that being more open to the mystery of what's alive and what's emerging Brings out much more unplanned possibility, truly new experiences, and opens the door to more diversity rather than having an expectation. The path is really narrow and limited as it is. And then we also get disappointed a lot of times if we don't get what we expected. And in our culture, sometimes that's also well, then you didn't provide it, and therefore. I shouldn't have to pay you, or I'm going to leave you a bad review, or something like that, that I find to be really toxic in some ways. When really a healthier approach is, hey, I didn't get what I want, let's talk about this. Like, is it possible to get what you want? Is what you want really what you need? Um, There's so much more that can be talked about um, when we broaden the scope a little bit. So I'm not an expert in this but I do know enough to know that when it comes to the ecosystem and farming uh there's been more awareness in recent years of how monocultures you know when you plant one crop that takes over acres and acres and acres and acres and then you try to grow that same crop year after year after year, it's really detrimental to the environment. The yields start to decrease, more pesticides are needed. It uh, doesn't allow for any other plants to grow and it's really not a healthy situation. And so part of what I wanted to talk about today is how when we have these monocultures in our society, whether it's a consumer society, whether it's a expectation of a certain type of relationship, whether it's this model of I deserve to get what I want because I'm going to pay you, um, especially in, in the fields of psychotherapy or coaching, I think it can set up really unhealthy situations. In the therapy world, I see it as people investing in one type of Treatment, like internal family systems, IFS, that's the best. And therefore, I only want to see someone that can do that. And that's the only way we're going to work. Or EMDR for trauma work. Or even with some of the things that are happening with um, plant medicine um, or MDMA, the psychedelic assisted therapies that, okay, here's the way that we're going to do it. And this medicine is going to do it. And here's the format that we're going to do it. I think a lot of good things can come out of those models and those approaches, and having structure and uh, container is absolutely important. But I also think that we have to be really careful to not create more monocultures, more "this is the way," and and anything that happens outside of that experience is not good or not valid, um, because as sure you've all experienced, and as I experienced on my trip, that sometimes the things that we need, we don't know um, that they're even out there. We don't know about the good restaurant. We don't know about the chance encounter we're going to have with somebody on the street. Um, We don't know what experiences we could have if we go in seeking a very specific experience or a specific outcome. Another example of this um, that's happened with this podcast is I had been really afraid of what is the impact on my current clients hearing me talk more about my ideas, my beliefs, my experiences, what has shaped me um, so that I'm being less of that blank slate. And I think that there are probably has been and will be some negative impact around, oh, wow, I actually really disagree with this guy and I don't believe the same things this person does. And, um, you know, like, oh, he said this thing or his relationship looks this way with his wife and partner and that would never work for me and I don't agree with that. I, that's not the model of relationship I want. And therefore, I don't know if I can really trust that but actually what I've been hearing from my clients is that it's actually been really helpful for a lot of different reasons that I won't go into. But if nothing else, I think it's around the same idea that I'm talking about right now is that actually we can all live very different lives with very different belief systems and very different ideas and perspectives and still coexist and get along together and actually really help and shape each other in a a very good generative way. Um, When we're all trying to have the same idea, or I know a common thing that happens with my clients is, well, what do you think about this? And sometimes it's helpful to get that other idea, but it's also not helpful if we're going to take that idea and say, well, actually, it seems like that person is living well, or I want to be like them, and therefore I'm going to try this idea and be like them. That, that doesn't work. I think we need the diversity to bump up against and mold us and shape us and expand our ideas and perspectives and horizons, but then ultimately be able to come back to our own truth and our own experience So this is what feels right for me. Another example of something good that's come out of these podcasts from one of my clients was somebody that was talking about how sometimes they can get lost in their emotions or lost in their somatic experience when we're trying to do really mindfulness-based work, or sometimes the ideas and experiences of something different are so foreign that they can't really get a sense of it in their body and still get stuck and trapped in some of the old default patterns. But the episode I did talking about the sunflowers in the garden, this person was able to actually really relate to what their own experiences of seeing sunflowers are and being with sunflowers and their own experiences of tending a garden. And then we're able to, embody and remember the experiences of their own experience in life that were like what I was talking about through the images of the sunflowers in the garden to then have the present moment embodied experience, um, that they could then relate to the other life situation, whether it was like a relationship challenge of being with someone or not being with somebody or, um, a job or a a life purpose question or or whatever, the the images and the stories that I'm talking about in the podcast and that my guests are talking about actually are relatable to connect to their own life experience, which is similar, that they can then apply it to the new life situations where they're stuck. So what I'm really trying to say is that, like, images and stories and narratives can become this vehicle to access our previous life experiences to then have a present moment embodied experience that can then guide us in future steps. So it's not that somatic psychotherapy is the way or that emotionally focused therapy only is the way or cognitive focused therapy is the way or relational therapy is the way. Actually, our job is to develop and facilitate all of these parts of us to have uh, a more rich and full, diverse experience of life. And how somatic therapy looks for one person is different than how somatic therapy looks for another person, and how EMDR looks for one person is different than how EMDR looks for another person, and how relationship works for one person is different than how relationship looks for another person. That's the diversity that we really need. What I was trying to express in the podcast with Kelly was how even my own belief systems about how relationship was supposed to look based on self-help books or models of therapy, which are really popular right now, like PACT or the Gottman Methods or um, even IFS and Parts Work is gaining some ground in therapy if we start to say, this is how we have to do relationship, then we're really narrowing the possibility of relationship. But when we can access more fullness of ourselves, well, this is what I'm thinking. Let's talk about it. This is what I'm feeling. Let's talk about it. I'm wondering about this possibility. Like what occurs for you when I share this wondering and let's talk about it. And, and then relationship both with intimate partners as well as friends and peers and coworkers and everybody can be really varied and really diverse. And I think that's a really healthy thing rather than a narrowing of the scope of relationship has to look like this, like Stan Tatkin and Pack talks about a relationship has to look like what the Gottmans talk about. I think those are really effective models and tools and lenses and we have to have, some ideas of like, you know, it's actually really not helpful when you're breeding resentment. And it's also really not helpful if you can't communicate about feelings. And it's also really not helpful when uh, you hold your partner to unfair standards. Like there, there are some guidelines that are helpful to know about that can keep you from hitting your head against a wall. But aside from the foundation of here's how you talk about things, as long as we're talking about, All of the different parts of us, especially the domains of thinking, feeling, somatic experience, um, the transpersonal, uh, whether that's spirituality or meaning, um, the relational, like what's it like in between the two of us, um, then that's really going to open the field and open the doors to a lot more diversity and a lot more possibility of health in the relationship rather than narrowing it and trying to fit it into someone else's model. And especially not trying to fit it all into the exact same thing. One last little story I'll share from my trip was I took a walking tour to Soho, Little Italy, and Chinatown. um, Because I wanted to hear more about the history and and that how those neighborhoods have been changed and shaped and it was true I could see it with my own eyes even in the 20 years since I had been there things were really different and one of the things the tour guide was really talking about was the changes in little Italy and Chinatown and how both of those neighborhoods were really um, made up of course of immigrants that had come to this country for hope and the chance of uh, different life, a better life, more affluent life, often with the goals of making money and then sending it back home to their family. And from that, um, because of some of the hardships in this country, the gangs and the mafia came and got established because they were really trying to protect and look after their families and ensure that their families would get what they needed for their survival and their abundance and affluence to be able to send it back home. And how little Italy has been shrinking because it's expensive to live in the city and it's cheaper to move out to the suburbs and, you know, in a way that's why... The Sopranos was based in New Jersey, apparently, was that, you know, it was cheaper to have land and homes and restaurants to earn money in New Jersey. And so they moved out of the city. But still, the desire for protection and, and really making sure their families got ahead was what was behind some of the gangs and the violence of both the Italians and, and the uh, Asians. Um, at least according to this tour guide, I'm not sure if this is a hundred percent accurate, but obviously as we've seen in the movies, like, first of all, I mean, the movies and the TV shows don't really often portray that side of like, Hey, these are people really just trying to survive and provide for themselves and their families and to help family out back home that, and that's, what's really driving sometimes some of the violence, And obviously, as we talked about a little bit in a previous episode, violence and aggression can cause a lot of harm. But if we look beyond, like, what's really underneath and what's really driving the violence and how do we get to a more peaceful resolution rather than just condemn and outlaw and other the people, um, you get to more of what's happening. Uh, How the tour ended was in Columbus Park, there were... People playing all kinds of sports, people doing Tai Chi, people playing music um, pretty much all day, constantly. People, uh, elders honoring um, their ancestry and those that had been developing the area and sought to end the gang violence and bring more peace to the area. The ancestry of their relatives that uh, they had left behind in other countries and there was uh, 50 different ways that people were living their life and celebrating the diversity of the of the community and the connection to ancestry and how the tour guide was talking about how in some ways this isn't representing life of the past but it's actually representing life of the future and how it could be when we recognize that we all actually are different and have different cultures and different heritages and different belief systems, and we're all free to live and express that in the best way possible. And again, uh, it was such a beautiful sentiment to get to see and experience and really honor how we actually need the diversity. We need everyone to be able to honor their own beliefs and their own cultures and be able to come together and see each other and not just stay isolated in that, but to be able to express and uh, and influence each other in healthy ways, hopefully. So I'll end with the poem again, uh, because I uh, want to explore uh, Timothy Liu a little bit more and the research that I did. I learned that he um, is an Asian American who uh, had a difficult home life at times, uh, became a Mormon for a while and then left the Mormon church. And um, he's someone that identifies with the GLBT population and really appreciate that this person's story came into my awareness through a chance encounter on the subway. Uh, not only because he has lived multiple lives and multiple experiences that he shares through his poetry, um, but that I really agree and resonate with this message of that we're not just one person, and we don't need to fear when there's a challenge or an obstacle in our lives personally or relationally with our partner because that actually invites forth more of the diversity of life experience and the diversity of lessons and wisdom that can come from it. So I'll close our time together today with the poem. Once again, The Lovers by Timothy Lou. I was always afraid of the next card. The psychic would turn over for us. Forgive me for not knowing how we were every card in the deck. Before we end, actually, I have a little addendum here. As is often the case with these podcasts, I often wish I would have said things differently or expanded on an idea, making sure that it's really clear what I'm trying to say. And I usually just release them imperfectly because that's how life is. But last night, I came across some words that really said directly what I was trying to say in this and some previous podcasts that I wanted to share. And also wanted to put it onto this podcast because it reminded me of this is the process of listening to what is uh, emerging for for me and for us, and um, knowing that it's on the right track when these synchronicities come into play, a uh, confirmation and expansion of the ideas. And it really related to this episode as well, because it reminded me of the fool in the tarot deck and the term the fool's errand. Um, you know, in the tarot, the fool is the first card, the innocent, the naive. Um, it's a, he's about to walk off a cliff, uh, he doesn't really know there's danger, and then he goes on this journey through all this archetypal development. Um, and then at the end really ends up a fool again. And um, so really relevant to the poem I shared in this episode. And what I've been talking about in this and other episodes is kind of my own fool's journey. Um, The longer I've been exploring indigenous ceremony, as well as my European ancestry, uh, the more I've learned to become skeptical of this pattern that I recognize in myself and others of always seeking something more and greater and better in the other Whether that be another person, whether it's a romantic partner or a friend or a mentor or a therapist, another city, another land, another job, another culture, another spirituality, another medicine, another theory, another healing practice, whatever other it is that you think has the thing, um, you know, it's, it's not there. And it's kind of a fool's errand to go off and look in those places for those things. And what I mean by that is that I'm not at all saying that I shouldn't have gone on these journeys, and you shouldn't go on your journeys, but also to know that it's not going to give you what you seek, but it's going to give you something else, perhaps that you need a little bit more. You know, and further, um, I've wondered if this desire to uh, move on to something else and especially even like cut ties and forget the past uh, isn't a trauma response in and of itself I know that with my adoption um, that's a pattern that's played out for me in my life this desire to to move on and end relationships or move on to something else and it also seems to be the pattern um, perhaps of our ancestors of leaving the lands in which we were living in to look for other lands and other um, resources or uh, other people or or whatever, Um, seems to be a repeating pattern throughout history, um, as well as in my own personal life. And I understand it because staying with what we have and working on it is really hard. And that desire to move on and have something new and shiny with more potential, is normal and natural and probably not going to go away, you know, so um, learn to recognize that this is kind of a trick that this belief that the fulfilled self-actualized, more enlightened, better life is just around the corner. If I just go here and do that, have this, heal this, do this, whatever. Um, It's actually right here. And it's in the tension and the conflict and the, or the boredom or the whatever that it's here. And through all of those diverse experiences, um, you get the every card in the deck uh, from the poem that I had shared. And so the words that prompted this addendum um, came from a book called Becoming Whole by Bud Harris. And The passage goes like this. She held the tension between her ideals of marriage and what she thought she needed and the reality as she saw it without acting in ways to damage or abolish either perspective until she found that something new, a new perspective, a new vision of relationships or a new sense of who she was had evolved in her. She held the tension. She didn't seek to get her ideals or needs met in a new relationship, or to sublimate them in an affair, a new house, or a great vacation. What she longed for and wanted in her marriage was an ego ideal based on her history, wounds, and family and cultural values. What she was seeking wasn't complete and wasn't based on her potentials for wholeness. As a result of holding the tension, using it to fuel her inner search, Reflecting on and amplifying her feelings around the situation, a new solution emerged that we could not have planned for or foreseen. What happened is that she discovered a new freedom. By becoming free of her ideal, of what a marriage should be, she no longer had to try to make her life work to fit it. She became more authentic and grounded in her own personhood. From this foundation, she could love and relate to her husband and herself in a new and evolving way. If she had decided to leave the relationship due to this new knowledge, she would not have ended up pursuing the same old ideal unconsciously in new relationships. People begin the journey with the secret hope of living a beautiful, self-actualized life that has seemed to be constantly eluding them. The reality is that our suffering and its effects can never be fully locked away in the basement of the past. During her next visit, Lisa said, I remember that when I first came to see you, I wanted to learn how to find some peace in my life. I thought that peace was a lack of conflict or suffering. Now it seems that to be fully alive means being at peace with the idea that life is full of conflict and suffering. Maybe that's what the peace that patheth the peace that passeth all understanding really is. The passage was from Bud Harris Becoming Whole. And really summed up nicely this idea of the lovers and being every card in the deck and going on this journey only to discover what's really alive in the presence and the diversity of our own lives when we stop trying to look away from it and have something else. So we'll leave it at that. Thanks. And talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to my life is the medicine. We hope our guest story this week has inspired you to look closer at your own life. Maybe you heard some of your own story in their story through many of these experiences are common ordinary experiences and maybe something about their story was unique which also might have inspired you to think about how your life too is unique either way we hope our story today has helped you to see that your life too is the medicine if you'd like to consider diving deeper into your own story and sharing your story with others we hope you might consider joining us on a future episode and if not, that's okay too We hope you'll continue listening, keep reflecting, and help you see how your life, too, is the medicine. Take good care, and we'll see you next time.